woman of God, someone I've known for a very long time, who's going to come and minister the word to us. Let's just give her a round as she comes. Amen. Thank you. Oh, Amen. Well, I'm really excited to hear what God's got to say to us today, because the power of God's wo- the power of God's word changes lives. And regardless of what happened to you this week, and regardless of what's happened or waiting for you in the coming week, God's word has the power to do all that needs to be done, provided we exercise our faith and we believe God's word to us. Amen. So we've been looking at leadership and we will continue to look at leadership and today we're looking at influencing others with an eternal perspective. Now last week, um, Pastor Joe mentioned or taught about leadership and he um, explained that leadership isn't about having a position or a title per se, but it is about having influence over another person. So I just wanna do a brief survey, if you would just bear with me. If you are here, and you are a daughter or a son of somebody, could you stand? Yeah, if you can stand, if you can't stand, that's fine. Okay, you may be seated. Okay, if you are here and you have children, can you stand? Okay, you may be seated, thank you. You're going to get some exercise this morning. If you're here and you are employed by somebody or you employ somebody, can you stand? Okay, thank you. You may be seated. Now, the purpose of that little exercise was to illustrate the point that every single person in this room is a leader in some form or another. By virtue of the fact you have a relationship with somebody, whether it's you're the person who's in charge of them or they're in charge of you, or you relate to them, that means that you are a leader. In other words, you have influence. Can you imagine if you um, heard in the news that there was a mother who was in the news, and the reason why this lady was in the news was because only one day out of the year, she fulfilled her role as a mother. And she felt perfectly entitled and perfectly vindicated by that position. And then the interviewer interviewed her and said, so how on earth can you justify the fact that you are only a mother to your children once a year? And then she responded and said, well, only once a year we have Mother's Day. And that's the only day I'm recognized for my title as being a mother. And so that's the only time that I put in any kind of effort or hold any kind of sense of responsibility to be a mother to my children. That would be ludicrous, yes? It would be ridiculous. And in the same way, us as believers, as Christians, to suggest that unless we have a title, or unless we have a a recognized position, whether in church or at work, um, means that we don't have a responsibility to lead others, it is just as preposterous. In fact, it's even worse because the Spirit of God lives inside of us. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God in us leads us, he guides us, he teaches us. Last week, um, Joseph mentioned those two scriptures, and we're going to look into that. So I want us to understand that when I'm speaking about leadership or I'm speaking about influence, I'm talking about how what you say, what you do, 
How you behave, how you think affects any single person you have influence over, whether it's your children, whether it's your mother, whether it's your father, whether it's your husband, whether it's your boyfriend, whether it's your fiance, whether it's with your work colleagues, whether it's with your supervisor, whether it's with those who you maybe you line manage, maybe it's with your neighbor, maybe it's with the shopkeeper, maybe it's with that really annoying neighbor next door, maybe it's a parent at the school gate or a parent at the nursery, Wherever you have an opportunity to interact with somebody, that is an opportunity for you and I to influence them, but influence them with, a ter- with an eternal perspective, with eternity in mind. Now that might sound quite convoluted, but as I break it down, we're going to see why it's important to have an eternal perspective. Now the first scripture we're going to look at is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 to 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 to 15. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds. Tell your neighbor to say, take heed how you build. When you take heed of something, that means you pay close attention. And here the scripture is encouraging us as believers to think about how we build. When you think about what you're doing, it takes time. It takes attention. It means you focus on what you're doing. You're thinking about the end result. You're thinking about what's involved for it to happen. You're thinking about what demands it's going to make on you. You're thinking about anyone else you may have to interact with to make that thing happen. Take heed how you build. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so also through fire. And so, in the context of leadership, in the context of influencing others, in the context of how we allow the light and the life and the power of God in our lives, allowing that to affect, to influence, to show leadership to other people, it's important that we take heed how we do it. The Bible says that we should be wise about the times. We should know what the will of the Lord is concerning our lives. Now, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it talks about, us being salt. Now, I'm sure we've all tasted food before that hasn't had enough salt. Yeah? 
Or if you go to someone's house who's really, really healthy and they say, oh, I don't cook with salt, you think, oh, great, because it doesn't have any taste. On the other hand, have you ever tasted someone's cooking who's put too much salt in? It's disgusting. You, you, You can't eat it because the taste is so distinctive. But Jesus said, we are supposed to be like salt. And I'm not going to cover this in too much detail because Joseph did such an excellent job last week. But what that means is, by virtue of the fact of who you are and where God has placed you, your very presence should make a distinct difference to your environment. How you are as a mother, father, employee, employer, neighbor, Whichever area God has planted you, your very existence, my very existence should have a distinction that affects those around us. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16, it talks about we are the light. Have you ever tried to look for something in a dark room? It's a nightmare, right? As soon as you switch the light on, it becomes clear. Okay, you have to excuse me here, gentlemen. Um, Ladies, have you ever done your makeup in bad light? And you think you've slayed it. And then you go outside, and it obviously wasn't slayed very well. Yeah? Because of the light. You couldn't see clearly to apply things the way they should be. And in the same way, our lives are supposed to be light. How we live how we speak, how we behave, how we treat people, how we answer people, how we conduct ourselves is supposed to reveal truth. It's supposed to show things the way they really are. The Bible says that we are the wisdom of God. In other words, God's wisdom has been placed in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so how we live should demonstrate to those around us the wisdom of God. We're light, we're salt. And both of these aspects or both of these analogies that God uses to describe us, they're used to describe us so that we can see how our conduct is supposed to affect those around us. We're talking about leadership, we're talking about influencing others with an eternal perspective. Paul said, or the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul said, take heed how you build. Because every single one of us are going to be rewarded based on what we did, not based on what somebody else did. Jesus described the kingdom of God as a man going to a far distant land and giving each of his servants um, um, par- um, not parables, um, talents or gifts or abilities or opportunities. To one he gave five, to one he gave three, to one he he gave one. And each one he gave according to their ability. And so for us to be effective, for us to build um, with eternity in mind, for us to influence and to show leadership, we have to be found faithful with what God has given us. Not what God has given somebody else or what we think God should have given us or we want God to give us, but based on what he's given us. And he's given us each a gift according to our will, according to our ability, according to the graces and giftings that God has placed in each 
one of us. And in as much as the Spirit of God lives in us, there isn't, there isn't a single person here who knows God who can say, oh, God hasn't given me anything. There isn't anything I can do. The Bible says that, that, that those who wait on the Lord shall renew just their strength. The Bible says that we're likened to a tree planted by the rivers of water that in its season brings forth fruit. And so for us to influence others, for us to show leadership with eternity in mind, we cannot get away from the fact that you and I have a responsibility to embrace where God's placed us and what God has called us to do. Now the context in which Jesus gave this example of us being salt and light was in the context of him teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And it's quite interesting because the Bible says this. It says that Jesus sat down and his disciples came to him. His disciples, disciplined followers. So in other words, being salt and light demands that you and I make a decision to be his disciples. Not our disciples, not Joseph's disciples, not Mafsha Shumuloa's disciples, not Derek Prince's disciples, but his disciples. The foundation is Jesus. Jesus said that on that day, many will say, but Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? Didn't we heal sick? Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. And we cannot get away from the fact that everything we say, everything we do, everything we are or ever hope to be has to have its foundation in Jesus. It has to be him. There's no other foundation. There is no other foundation. It has to be in Jesus. What does that mean? It means his way, his principles, his, 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 um, the way he does things, everything that is about Jesus, that is what we govern our lives by. Regardless of popular Christian Western culture, it's rubbish. It's got nothing to do with it. What does Jesus say? What does his word say? Because when we stand before God on that day, he's not going to judge us based on what was normal in our society. He's not going to judge us based on what was socially acceptable in our society. He's not going to judge us based on what our friends cheered us about and said, oh yeah, keep going for God. Or thought, oh no, you're, you're too much, you're a bit too intense. It's going to be based on his word and his revealed word to us. And God's revealed word to you, God's revealed word to, word to me, will never contradict God's written word. The Apostle Paul said, even if an angel of light comes and says something different, let it be accursed. We cannot get away from this, this word. And you know, um, no, I'm going to stick to my notes. Okay. So you've got the context of Jesus saying that. You know, Jesus said his sheep hear his voice, but the voice of another. You know, sometimes you hear preachers and something in you is just like, mm. I'm not talking about when, you're, when, you're, when you hear preaching, it's like, ouch but you know it's true. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about when you hear somebody speak and something in you is just like, I don't know. They look the part. They sound the part. They've got a huge church, a huge following. But something in you just doesn't settle. The Sermon on the Mount that Jesus spoke in the context in which he said being salt and light was completely counter-culture. It completely turned everything that they thought at that time upside down. 
Not because Jesus just likes to cause trouble. No, 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 no. But the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain. I'm telling you, it's his word that we have to stand on. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about influence. And it's important that we lay these foundations. Um, Austin, please help me with the time. Now this is what the, um, the scripture says in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Mark chapter 8, verse 38. Mark chapter 8, verse 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I'm going somewhere with this. Because even though we have God's word, at times we can forget what God's word teaches about some of these things and get so caught up with the humdrum of normality or what we think is normal but actually isn't normal. It's not actually normal. It's not actually biblically based. But because everyone's doing it, we think it's okay. Or we think, well, you know, no one else is pressing in, so I should be all right. But our life is hidden Christ in God. Our life is supposed to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. The God of the universe has chosen to live in these earthen vessels and so it behoves us to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of us and not settle for mediocre not settle for the same old same old not settle for what people think that's why Paul said am I about persuading men because if I was thinking about pleasing people I can't be a servant of God does that mean you become obnoxious and rude and disrespectful not at all Because those who live by the Spirit are governed by the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control, humility, meekness. A person controlled by the Holy Spirit knows how to speak, knows how to show mercy, knows how to show kindness, knows how to give sacrificially to those who don't deserve it, know how to show mercy. We're called to influence those around us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. And as we look at what it means to influence with an eternal perspective, it means that on the outside, it means we're going to look stupid sometimes. It means we're going to look like idiots sometimes. But we're building or we're taking heed to how we build. And we've got it in our mind that this, what we see, is temporal. It's, it's not the be all and end all. This is just temporal. When Jesus comes back and sets up his millennium kingdom, 
that's when things are going to start happening. And then when Jesus gives us our rewards and for all eternity, we'll be able to see or demonstrate what we did with our lives. You know, the scripture says that on that day, he will wipe tears from our eyes. The reason why he has to wipe tears is because some of us, we're going to bawl when we see how we wasted our lives building sandcastles. We wasted our lives chasing things that were so important to us. But as far as God was concerned, it was a bunch of rubbish. What is it God has called you to do in this season? Why have you and I come into the kingdom for such a time as this? Because that's where our reward is. That's where the power of our influence is. If God's called you to raise your child and you're forcing to come and preach, you've missed it because that's not what God's telling you to do in this season. If God's told you to come and preach and you're busy raising your child, you've missed it because that's not what God's called you to do in this season. The key is finding out, Lord, what would you have me to do? How do you want me to lead? How do you want me to show influence? It's what is it that God is calling you to do? And the only way you can find that out is by spending time with him. Is by speaking to him. Oh, but I'm so busy. Stop lying. You're not busy. You stay on YouTube till two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, what are they? Oh, you don't, yes, you do. Come on, you've got, you're always posting messages, don't I? But the reality is, we say we don't have time, but what we're really saying is it's not important enough to me, so it's not a priority. At least that God can help us, because at least we're being honest about it. I am going to stick to my notes, I promise. Okay. So, who do you influence? Who do you lead? There's some environments that God has placed us, and we're just like everybody else. We're just, we complain about the boss just like everybody else. We gossip about that really annoying person on our team just like everybody else. We're late every day to work just like everybody else. We're on our phone checking messages and we're supposed to be working just like everybody else. We gossip, we backbite just like everybody else. We hold grudges and don't speak to people or give them the cold shoulder if they upset us just like everybody else. Help us. We're supposed to be salt and light. How we live our lives is of such significance to God that you, that you know in um, Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, he says, if you even give someone a cup of cold water, he remembers it. So we think about that day when we stand before God in our works, the judge is like, oh my goodness, it's just all the bad things. No, God wants to reward us and honor us for the good that we do as we faithfully seek to do well as we faithfully seek to honour him, when no one's looking, when we feel like a complete failure, but we're still trying to press into God. That's of tremendous value to him. And the enemy says, oh, what's the point? Give up, you're rubbish. You, you, no one even notices the fact you do this. But God sees. God sees. God sees. That's why God said, man looks at the heart. Man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. Because God sees. There were so many mighty men of war. So many experienced men of war. I'm sorry about these scriptures, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. I've just, just got a flu. Yeah, okay. Right. 
there were so many qualified individuals who should have been able to slay Goliath. Mighty men of war. But who did God choose? A ruddy, red-headed, handsome young man. But God had seen him in the wilderness. God had seen him being faithful over those sheep. Eliab said, who are the, where are those few sheep you've left? So obviously it wasn't that many. When the, when the um, prophet came to Jesse's house, and, Je- and the prophet said, bring all your sons. They all came. And he saw the first of all, oh, this one, definitely. Does that mean if you're tall, handsome, that God's not, no, it's not about that. And God said, uh-uh, not this one. And he went for all of them. I mean, can you imagine? The greatest prophet in the land comes to your house and your father leaves you outside looking after the sheep. And so the prophet says, isn't there anyone else in your house? And he says, well, I suppose it's David, but he's out there. There he is, look, he's over there. So you mean all this amazing stuff was going on, they didn't even bring him in. And he says, until he comes, we're not going to sit down. And you know, we have a romantic notion about this story. Think, oh yeah, David and Goliath. But think about the reality of the situation. It seemed absolutely ridiculous. But God saw David. He really saw him. God saw his heart. God saw how faithful he had been to him in the secret place when no one was looking. And so God could trust him in that um, scenario. Okay, let's get back to my notes. Okay, so who do you influence and lead? Okay, so why does leadership with an eternal perspective, what does it look like? What does it mean? Why is it even important? The scripture says that God's people perish through lack of knowledge. Okay, God's word gives us knowledge. God's word gives us understanding. God's word gives us light. And the scripture says in Romans chapter 12 that we should renew our mind by his word so that we're able to test and show what the will of God is. And the reality is we need to get into God's word. We need to feed on God's word, not snack on it occasionally, but we need to feed it because this is what will enlighten our mind to understand things from an eternal perspective. It helps us to understand and see God for who he is. And the more we realize, the more we transform our mind, the more we change how we think, the easier it is for us to connect to God. The easier it is for us to believe God. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if we haven't got the word of God in our hearts, how's it gonna be quickened? David said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We need to renew our mind. It's the word of God that tears down the strongholds. Strongholds are what govern how you and I behave. Strongholds are what tell us this is acceptable, this is unacceptable, this is normal, this is what I'm going to do. Everybody else does it, so why shouldn't I do it? He's out of order. He needs a slap. Who she thinks she is? Enough of that. This is long, man. I ain't got time for that. That doesn't sound like Jesus. The scripture says, be tender hearted, 
forgiving one another for Christ's sake as Christ forgave you. That's what the scripture says. The scripture says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself like a servant. Him being with God wasn't something to be grappled with because he already was God. But he became a man. He humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation. That's why the scripture says that if you want to follow after God, you almost have to become like a fool in this world because it's completely counterculture. It's completely different. And so God expects us to um, demonstrate that in our day-to-day life. The people you come into contact with, God expects us to reproduce everything that he is in us within our context. But if we don't feed on God's word, if we don't renew our mind, if we don't pull down those ungodly strongholds that have been built over the years and years and years, then it's going to be like pie in the sky. We hear it now and then by the time tomorrow comes, we're back in the behavior that undermines the very things that God stands for, that God wants us to represent. Jesus said if we just hear his word and are not doers of his word, we're like a person building their house on the sand, in the sand. Now I know most people here, most of us, when we moved into a house or rented a house, we didn't build it, we just moved into it. But in this culture, they would build their houses. And so this would, would, this would have made a lot of sense to them. Can you imagine you being given, let's say, 900, no, let's say, let's say 1.5 million to build your house. And you say, okay, right, I'm going to build my house. And someone says, where are you building your house? Oh, I'm building it on the sand just by the sea. That would make no sense because it's not going to last. As soon as the tide comes in, it's gone. How much more our lives? If money is power, time is destiny. Our lives are destiny. And every single thing we do, everything we do to seek to honor him, to influence others with his word, with his light, with his truth, God sees it. And God wants to reward us for it. But we have to be deliberate. We have to be deliberate. How we parent our children. We have to think about, okay, okay, a good way of doing it is imagine Jesus was you. Right? Just, okay, let's just, just do a quick experiment. Okay, you don't have to do this, but if just indulge me. I want you to close your eyes, okay? And imagine Jesus was you. Think about what you've done in the last 24 hours in how you've related to other people. The last three days. What would Jesus look like? How would he have spoken to that person? How would he have treated that person? What would he have said? What would he have given? What would he have done? And I want you to think about the context in which you find yourself. Forget about the title of being a leader. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you being able to influence people around you. At the school gate, your neighbours, your work colleagues. If you've got children, your children, your husband. Those of you who are dating, would Jesus be touching her like that? I don't think so. 
would Jesus be looking at those things? Okay, you can open your eyes now. Jesus has called us to influence our world. When we preach the gospel to the lost, that's all part of us showing leadership. That's all part of us influencing our world. And we have to reach the lost. We have to preach to the lost. But we also have to demonstrate to the lost that what we're preaching is a reality by how it's transformed our lives. You can't be preaching to the lost and then always turning up to work late, always trying to leave early, gossiping like everybody else. Ah. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. So, very quickly, how much time have I got, Austin? Zero. Okay. So I'm going to do this very, very quickly. So how do we how do we do it? It's all very well talking about tone of perspective. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, okay, what does that mean? First of all, simple. If Jesus was you, how would he do it? How would he speak to that person? How would he behave himself at work? How would he conduct himself around his colleagues? How would he parent your child? So first of all, recognize who we are and who we belong to. The Bible says that Jesus, knowing he had come from God and was going to God, put on a servant's towel and began to wash his disciples' feet. Because Jesus knew who he was, it wasn't a big deal for him to belittle himself. It wasn't, it wasn't even an issue because he knew who he was. So we need to know who we are in Christ and where we're going, number one. Uh, number two, remember whose example we're supposed to follow. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Number three, we have to be deliberate, especially if we're so used to just doing our own thing and forgetting about, actually one day God's going to reward me for everything I've done in my body. Be deliberate. The Bible says Daniel, Daniel chapter one, verse eight. I'm going as quickly as I can. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. We have to purpose in our heart and be deliberate that we're going to influence others with eternity in mind because of Jesus. Recognize that the system of this world is set up to undermine, contradict, and devalue the principles of God's word. So you have to be deliberate because you're going to be hitting against something. You're going to be hitting against something. You have to renew your mind. You have to feed on God's word. You have to guard your heart. The Bible says, guard your heart of all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. And it's out of our heart, our most inner being, that we do life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so you have to guard your heart, what you're allowed to come in and what you're allowed, what you allow to come out. So, in conclusion, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians, the, chip, the um, scripture that I began with. And you know, God tells us these things because he loves us. He doesn't want us to waste our time chasing things and doing things that he's not in. And so if you're not sure, set time aside and ask him, Lord, why have I been born into the kingdom for such a time as this? And it will flow out of where he's planted you. And whilst you're waiting to hear what specific thing it is, every time you are around people, that is an opportunity for you to influence and show leadership, to show the light of God in you and be salt to those who've been called to. So, in closing, 
For no, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. But it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work for, of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And so what I want to do now, I want to give us all an opportunity to respond. If you don't want to respond, that's fine, okay? Um, so what I, what I want to do is, first of all, I'm going to pray for specific things. And if you want to respond, where you are, I just want you to stand if you can. If you can't stand, it's fine. So first of all, I want you, if you are a parent and you want to influence your children with eternity in mind, in other words, you want to influence them the way Jesus would influence them, then I want you to stand. Okay, so if you're a parent and you recognize, Lord, I need to be a leader and I need to lead or influence my children the way you would Okay. The next thing is if you are if you work for somebody and you know that you need to step it up in how you influence those around you in terms of your Christian witness, then I want you to stand as well if you need God's grace to help you. If you stood as a parent, you can still remain standing. If you're saying to the Lord, this is the third thing, if you're saying to the Lord today that, Lord, I want to take heed how I build. And so I want to influence those around me, whoever those may be, the way you would through me, and I want your help to do it, then I want to invite you to stand as well. Okay. So I'm going to pray. Father, you have called us to be salt and light. Your wisdom rests in us. Your counsel. And Father, you've called us to be witnesses, Lord. You've endured us with power from on high by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we stand and we ask, Father, give us the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding to show leadership, to show influence to those you've called us to. And Father, where we haven't been consistent, we ask you to forgive us and we ask you to cleanse us. Lord, where things that we've said and done have actually been a stumbling block to people seeing your wisdom, we ask you to forgive us. We hold our hands up. We don't make excuses. Lord, we say we're sorry where we've um, responded to our children, to our friends, to our family, to our work colleagues in ways which isn't born out of your spirit, Lord, would you forgive us? And Father, I ask for your grace to truly be witnesses for you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you.